Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sana I-E. I'm your host XO, and on this episode, I got an interview for y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got an interview for y'all um, with my good friend Ron Curtis. He's out there in DMV, and he has a he's the CEO of Wavy Tech LLC. And I'll explain more with the, his introduction. But if this is your first time listening to Sanai, welcome to the show. Welcome in, welcome in. Um, Sanai really covers and the whole mission for Sanai is to educate the audience when it comes to financial literacy as well as mental health, because those those two those two subjects I want to say um, are big to me, and I feel like we all constantly on a daily basis we're all spending finances and as well as dealing with our mental health, dealing with ourselves mentally on a daily basis. So it's like why not educate and see how. I can help out the masses with my platform as well as educate y'all day by day, especially when it comes to interviewing people and interviewing people within those fields, within the field of financial literacy or the field of mental health. So today's episode is going to be focusing on financial literacy as well as hitting some mental health topics as well. But let me get started with the quotes of the day. My first quote is, you can spend minutes, hours, days, weeks or even months overanalyzing a situation trying to put the pieces together but you can just leave the pieces on the floor and move on this hits home dead ass simply because i'm always over light over analyzing a situation and that's me i'm a constant overthinker i'm always thinking 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 so i always over over analyze situations it's like you spend so much time overanalyzing that you're clearly wasting time, especially when you're trying to put the pieces back together, like on of a puzzle that that is not meant to go back together. It's broken in for in pieces for a reason. So we overanalyze the situation. It's like sometimes we just have to not overanalyze that situation. Just leave those pieces on the floor and move on, and focus on something new is on the way. But once again, the quote is, you can spend minutes, hours, days, weeks, or even months overanalyzing a situation, trying to put the pieces together, or you can just leave the pieces on the floor. My next quote is, if you aren't willing to change, expect things to stay the same. <laughs> we all have to change. We all grow. That's why we, uh, every year we have a birthday. So it's like every year you're supposed to grow and change in some certain way. So you can't be the same person who you was last year. You can't be the same person you was yesterday. Every day is about learning, changing, growing, and becoming a new person. So it's like expect things to change. You have to be willing to change. You have to change. You have to change who you are. You have to get out your bubble. You have to start getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's the biggest thing. We're, we don't want to take risks. We're afraid of taking uh, risks. I was listening this morning to... Uh, uh, live with ET, the hip hop preacher, and he was talking about like, yo, we, we, we as humans, we don't like taking risks. Why don't we like taking risks? We have to take risks in order to grow. You have to take a risk to change, be a risk taker, but also be a calculated risk taker. Uh, got the hat on the, got the hat on the uh, website, shameless plug. But you have to be willing to change. Life is about changing constantly. If you aren't willing to change, then things will stay the same. See, check with check in with yourself right now. Check in yourself, have an evaluation and see have you changed from a year ago to now? Are you still doing the same things, hanging around the same people, uh, doing the same shit? 
so it's like you have to be willing to change you can't if you aren't willing to change everything will stay the same so you don't want to be the same person you are now as far as next year so be willing to change be the change and i guess we're gonna get to our guest huh on this episode i got a guest like i said ron curtis from uh the dmv wavy tech llc he graduated from Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, majoring in business admin with a concentration in human resource management. He pledged, excuse me, he pledged to Alpha Kappa Psi, which is the oldest and largest professional business fraternity in the world. He has a passion for learning and helping others. He's a financial literacy coach and the CEO of Wavy Tech LLC. Wavy Tech LLC is a consulting company that focuses on teaching financial literacy through the use of technology. His goal is to change your perception of money and how you use it to acquire wealth. Without further ado, help me introduce my guest, Ron Curtis, aka Dr. Financial. Mic check one, two. Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, boss? How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm blessed, man. I cannot complain. Man, same here. I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. I appreciate you for having me, man. Thank you. Man, I've been following you in your wave. I know your uh, LLC is Wavy Tech, but yeah, I've been following your wave since for a minute, ever since I started following you. I like uh, everything that you're about and what you're doing um, over there in D.C. And I'm like, man, I got to reach out and have him on the podcast because I know you got another information and knowledge within your brain as well as experiences that you've been through on your journey. So once again, I thank you for uh, coming on the show. I man, it's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm, I'm interested in, you know, diving into this conversation and, you know, see, you know, how much value I can provide and, you know, just help as many people as I can. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Uh, you want to let the people know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so what's up, everybody? My name is Ron Curtis. I'm born and raised in Washington, D.C., um, I'm pretty much a financial literacy coach and also a passive income strategist. I teach people how to turn liabilities and leverage them into cash flow and assets. Um, I do have a nine to five. I work for the D.C. government. Um, I oversee um, electric bus program for uh, <clears throat> D.C. government for a fleet of different assets, different types of vehicles. Um, so, you know, I'm just here to inspire anybody to show you like you can have a nine to five. You can also be an entrepreneur. I call it a nine to five preneur. That's what I kind of classify myself <laughs> as. Um, and yeah, that, that's pretty much me. Me in a nutshell. I'm I'm a jack of all trades. I've uh, dabbled in a lot of different types of businesses. Um, took some losses. I, I count those as lessons, though. Then I losses I've learned and able to you know help people along the way. And I've also had some big wins. So I'm definitely looking forward to sharing in more depth with you guys today. Got you, got you, man. You hit a lot on a lot of points. I like how you said the nine to five uh, entrepreneur, because it seems like when it comes to the nine to five, especially in this day and age with technology and everything, people don't want to work the nine to five to uh, fuel their dreams. They like, nah, I'd rather just trying to figure out on the internet and then be out there struggling with no income source. So that nine to five entrepreneur is right because it fuels your dreams, it fuels your future if you use it in the right way. Facts, facts, man. I'm actually about to throw that on a shirt. I'm about to put that on the shirt. <laughs> oh yeah. Most definitely. You already know I'm going to cop one as soon as it comes out. Oh, man, hey, it'll, it'll be up before the end of the night. I got a, I got a um, uh, drop shipping shirt business as well. I just go and play, throw quotes on pictures, stuff like that. Um, and it actually, when I when I go in and, you know, promote it, it gets sales. It's, it's really, I do it when it's like trendy things going on, especially like when, uh, 
you know, early the pandemic, we had Black Lives Matter movement um, mm-hmm. and uh, all that racism and all that stuff. I had made some shirts and they would actually start selling on Teespring. It was crazy. I'm like, wow, you could really monetize anything. And that's a fact, too, because all you, it's all about just doing the research and connecting with people and because all the information out there with that, as long as you have Wi-Fi and a laptop, you can really learn anything and monetize anything from here on out. Like right now, I know you said you do wavy tech. I don't know if you're doing eBooks either, but that's another gateway so you can have financial literacy and education. Yeah, facts, facts. Uh, yes, yeah. um, I published the eBook. That's kind of how, how I got into my financial literacy journey. Okay, I like that. I like that. All right, we're gonna jump from the beginning. So, how's this year been for you? Man, this year has been a blessing, man. Um, I pretty much, what is it? We in September. Um, I was able to uh, purchase my home, a first time um, home buyer in DC. Um, I was able to let credit, um, buy almost a half a million dollar house uh, for only $3,700. So that was a blessing. Um, I've been able to help people start not only Turo and hire car, rental car business, since I've been able to help people start their own uh, vending machine business as well. I'm real big on putting green dollars in black hands. Um, so that's definitely something that's, that's been a blessing to me as well. Um, within six months of purchasing this home, I was able to convert my single family to a duplex. So now I have an Airbnb in my basement. Um, I listed it last Monday and now it's booked for 31 days. So my October mortgage is paid. Um, I'm, in, I'm increasing my rental car fleet as well to create that passive income. Um, and, and yeah, man, it's just been a blessing. Uh, about to get a promotion at my job, so I'm just trying to, you know, find that balance in life. Everything's kind of coming, coming to coming to fruition. I like that. There's a lot to unpack there because you said this this year has been a tremendous blessing for you. Like you say, you've been helping a lot of people create passive income with the Toro, the higher car. Those are the two. Like I didn't know about higher car, but I seen you posting and I started looking it up myself because I've been thinking about doing the Toro as well as long as as well as the mini machine so that's crazy how you hit it but like you say you like putting green dollars in black people's hands and helping people out any way you can so i appreciate what you're doing out there in dc as well as uh how you leverage your credit because that's a big thing that's really discussed i want to say in the black community we rarely discuss our credit but we always looking for homes or houses or cars but we don't know how our credit score is and i know we um we talked on a personal level i was like yeah I told you about how credit karma, you know, you said credit karma, we all know it's like credit karma is a joke uh, when it comes to what you're trying to do when it comes to the housing. It really comes down to your FICO score. So why do you think most people like use the credit karma app? Uh, I mean, so first off, credit karma app is a great credit monitoring tool. It all just depends on what you're trying to do, what your goals are. So if you're just trying to, you know, apply for credit cards, see what credit cards you can get approved for, um, credit karma shows you something called your advanced scores. Uh, that's pretty much your TransUnion Equifax score. Uh, you can download the Experian app to get your Experian score. You always want to make sure you get all three scores pulled. A lot of people try to go with that highest score. You want to go with the middle value number score. The biggest difference between okay. your FICO score and your Vantage score is your FICO score is just weighted more aggressively. Um, and that's like if you want to go buy a car or a house. So they look at more data points than they would with a Vantage score. But I love Credit Karma. It's a great tool for beginners. Um, it's a great tool for anybody who monitors their credit because you can actually go in there and paint a nice picture and get a snapshot of everything that's going on on your credit profile um, and also your utilization, your credit history, and things like that. Got you. Got you. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to start with just start with my questions. How did the pandemic treat you and your family last year? 
Um, I look at the pandemic as a blessing and a curse. Um, the, the reason being is uh, I've always had like an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I used to suffer from analysis paralysis. So I used to, you know, do all the research, cop all the courses, you know, you know, do all my due diligence on my end. And I never like, you know, pull the trigger on certain things. Um, and by the grace of God, even though the pandemic happened, um, I was able to telework for over a year and a half, almost a year and a half. Um, and it uh, finally allowed me to start applying a lot of the things that I was plotting on. And um, to keep it a, a hundred with you, everything that I'm discussing today and everything's happened in the past 365 days, everything. So um, I'm saying that to say, to inspire someone else that like, hey, it might sound like I do a lot, it may sound like I'm successful, but all of this happened since literally March, 2020 when the pandemic started. So yeah, that's where you just started like creating, like I need the passive income. You just started uh, researching different things. Like that's what I've been seeing a lot too. Like, especially with the pandemic, you know, it shut everything down and people like lost their jobs, lost their homes and lost uh, many things amongst that. But it's, you took that time, you took the pandemic and you made it a pandemic, I want to say. Cause you yeah, was like, yo. That's, that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, definitely. So that's why I was like, like everything you started. It seemed like you did start like everything within this this past year. Cause like I've said, I've been following following your uh, wave and whatnot. I was like, oh, he he's in this. Oh, he started doing this now. I'm like, okay, like you said, you're a jack of all trades, which is something that we all can be. It just uh, just all about all about applying yourself and putting that research in and figuring out what works best for you and being disciplined on that. Exactly, exactly, man. So actually, um, it all started. I published the ebook called Financially Understanding Credit Cards. Uh, back around December, January, when it launched, um, it launched in January. I was actually I went to uh, Florida, Orlando, um, for vacation, and then when I came back, I dropped the book. I got a lot of good feedback, um, and from that, I said, okay, well, you know, I was able to get myself out of uh, a credit hole that I dug myself in. I see a lot of my peers do that as well. I made a book to you know get that education that we didn't learn at home, at school, or in the streets. Um, they kind of like a quick informative read that breaks down credit cards and how they work. From that. Um, I got linked up with a guy who um, had his own credit repair business. Um, he kind of mentored me and just showed me, you know, um, not more so the credit repair process, but more so how to, I guess, close the lead on the phone and, you know, explain to them how to read a credit report, et cetera. Um, and that's when I got my first taste of residual income. Uh, he pretty much, okay, yeah, yeah my bait. So what he, what he pretty much did was, um, I guess he had so many clients coming in with different leads and marketing and affiliates. He actually hired me to start taking calls because he's only one person. Um, mm -hmm. And let's say he charged a thousand dollars for a program, he would pay me thirty percent of whatever each person I closed. And the beauty of it was, say that again. Sorry about that. I said that's good. No, you good. I'll just oh. chiming in my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the the beauty of it was, even though I was teleworking, I still had a nine to five, was making a good salary. While I was while I was teleworking, I was able to also, you know. Uh, develop another skill that created residual passive income where I was making about $2,000 additional every month um, throughout the pandemic and getting paid every Friday based on work that I completed months prior to. So that's when I kind of got a taste of it. And I say, I can do this for myself and, you know, I can find other ways to make money without having to actually physically be on a clock. Man. And I love that too, because um, you have to, you have to learn, you have to, utilize your time to where you're having your money work for you instead of you working for your money. It's like, yeah, you're going to be a nine to five uh, entrepreneur, but now it's like, how can you put 
what you got, the money that you saved up, the uh, money, money that you invest in and really utilize it, like starting a business like you have. You started several businesses uh, just from the ebook. The ebook, and you say you got in with your mentor doing the credit and it just opened different paths to different uh, income, passive incomes along the way. So I think he was just in a uh, uh, blessing at the right time, right, uh, right place, right time type deal. Definitely, definitely, man. I, I definitely believe everything happens for a reason. Everything is purposeful. Um, and then, you know, when those things do happen, you got to take advantage of it, of those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So how long has Wavy Tech been around? So Wavy Tech LLC has um, officially been a business since February 2020. Um, one thing that I can really say to everybody on here that's thinking about a business, you know, we see everybody say, oh, every person should have a business, whether you have a business or not, everybody should have an LLC. But um, it's more to it than that. It's not just, you know, having an LLC. It's a lot of discipline that comes with that, you know, tracking your finances, tracking your sales, tracking your expenses, you know, um, making sure your taxes are right. You know, understanding, you know, the difference, the different kind of tax you have to pay. What's a write off? What's not? You know, the different softwares and systems in place you got to put in place to automate your business. So it is a lot more than just, you know, finding that LLC, paying your $300 and getting EIN. You know, um, it goes to, you know, having the right type of bank account, business funding, having your business set up right, virtual address, all those different things. So um, those are things that I had to learn within the past year. Um, and and, and mm -hmm. it wasn't a, a hard learning curve. It was just more to it than I, than I thought. You know, when you got money coming in, flowing from different angles, you don't have a business. Then all of a sudden you're like, hold up, I need to legitimize this because I'm making some money and I might have to pay some taxes on this. So um, I would just recommend everybody do your due diligence, um, see if you could get, get a, a nice accountant um, while you're in that in your business. And so you can make sure you look good on paper so you can maximize different opportunities like uh, SBA loans or, you know, all those grants that was given out. If your paperwork not right, you're not going to be able to get those opportunities. The information you were saying was clear because you was hitting on some key points when it came to uh you know, how you did Wavy Tech LLC, you were telling people to do your, their due diligence when it comes to LLCs and businesses and S-Corps and whatnot. Don't just dive in, like get your CPA, get your um, get your lawyer and make sure you have everything legitimized and saving 30% of your income and save that for taxes. I think exactly. that's the last so I, thing you stepped off. I must say, I can run that whole segment back if you need me to. So to be oh, yeah, clear. go ahead. All right. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, so pretty much one thing I would definitely recommend to people is, you know, we all glamorize being entrepreneurs, starting a business, et cetera. Um, you know, Instagram or other social media platforms, they make it look like as simple as just filing a, a LLC and getting the EIN number. But it's a lot more to that. Like, um, I would just recommend everybody, especially when the money starts flowing in, to just do your due diligence on your end. Um, you know, establish what kind of business do you want? Do you want an LLC? Do you want a sole proprietorship? Do you want an S-Corp? You know, understand the benefits of each one. Do you want a nonprofit? You know, um, you also want to make sure uh, your banking is set up. You don't want to mix up your money. One thing I was doing that I didn't know I was supposed to be doing was commingling funds, you know, having business money coming in with your personal account. Right. And if you do that, when you have a business that exposes you to risk, um, your LLC is a limited liability corporation or company. But you want to make sure that you're not mixing up that money, because if something does happen, somebody sue you. They'll go after you and your personal assets as well. Um, you also want to make sure you have, you know, separate accounts. You're tracking, tracking your funds, you know, tracking 30 percent for taxes, putting things aside like that. You know, having business bank accounts, checking accounts, business credit, all those different things. Um, you want to make sure you're ready for those opportunities. 
Uh, another example, I know you said when the pandemic hit, you know, there was a lot of relief money out here, SBA loans, a lot of stuff like that. But if you didn't have your paperwork in order like me, you weren't able to go and, you know, maximize and leverage those low interest loans so you, you can pour into your business and scale. Um, so those are just some of the things I would recommend. Anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur, take those things into account um, and just, you know, make sure you do your due diligence on your end. Okay. Got you. Got you. Thank you for that information, though, because that, that is real true, because I've been learning about uh, that as with my LLC, learning, like, the, doing the due diligence and everything, see how I want to set up everything on my end. And damn, <laughs> you just hit everywhere, um, especially when it comes to entrepreneur, entrepreneurship and everything like they, like you said, they glamorize it on social media and whatnot but it's a lot of hard work behind the scenes that's a lot of hard work research a lot of late nights and early mornings that you really got to dedicate yourself to building your uh, brand building a uh, business scaling the business and figuring out who work who's with you and who's against you and really just staying focused on what you what you have planned and having that vision as long as well as creating a business plan for what you're doing and making sure it withstands pandemics that happen because pandemics and stuff like that crisis hasn't happens happening you got to make sure your business withstands that it can stay afloat exactly i totally agree how was, how was your business uh during the pandemic did it take a hit or did it take a gain oh my business my business took a gain like this was all fun like this is fun to me like i like working on projects i like making money but like when i try things and it works that's what brings me joy um so i mean throughout the pandemic i was able to scale multiple businesses um one being my credit business um i was able to you know uh, successfully scaled at and now um, pretty much almost fully automate my credit repair business. Um, I'm real big on big building stuff up, uh, making money when you're not there and then, you know, separating yourself and removing yourself from the equation. Um, of course, you can't get there out the jump. But if I look where I was last year, September 14th, September 15th, I was actually probably standing in a post office mailing out letters that I had to print off and printer got jammed, ran out of ink licked in envelopes, you know, handwriting everything to now where, you know, I mail off all my letters with a click of a button online. So um, it's definitely just about growth. Um, my rental car business, I bought my first car in August. Um, I'm up to five cars now. Um, they cash flow consistently every day. Um, so that's something that's that's been a blessing as well. Um, and so, yeah, and then now I just got an Airbnb going. Um, I was able to purchase a home in the pandemic as well, and I converted into a business where I live upstairs and I rent out my basement and it's booked for 31 days and I just listed it last week. So um, it's been a blessing. I, it's all all glory to be to God. Um, but by the grace of God, I haven't taken any hits. I had a vending machine business as well. I got out of that. Um, but but yeah, I, it's been a lot of lessons and learning during the pandemic um, and a lot of blessings as well. Yeah, yeah. What'd you, you learn about yourself? Well, I, that's great. <clears throat> what I learned about myself was... Um, I had a, I know I was born for a greater purpose and I just had to stop being afraid to take a chance. So in, in all actuality, the biggest risk I took to start at all of this, um, first car I bought for my rental car business, I actually went half with a guy who I met on Instagram and I only knew him for a week. Mm. And um, we talked maybe three times on the phone over the week. He came up to DC Saturday and Sunday. We drove around the dealerships and we ended up buying a car. We split it with a credit card, a zero interest credit card. We wrote up an agreement. And um, ever since then, I've hit the ground running with just all my different uh, business endeavors. And it's just like I'm not afraid to, to jump out the window anymore, jump out the plane. Um, the biggest thing I learned about me is um, I'm good at a lot of different things and I know what I'm not good at. 
Um, and in business, I'm learning I have to there's no one one right way to do anything, no blueprint. So I've been building planes as, as I'm flying and God's been keeping me afloat. So that's the faith and that's the mindset I'm keeping going with everything that I enter. I know I can make it work if I do my due diligence and I access the resources around me. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Uh, I believe that too. Like you say, you learned a lot about yourself within this past year. It's like you gonna either stay on the sidelines or get into the game and you have to make them risks and take them calculated risks sometimes when it comes to your life and what you want to do and create a passive income, become an entrepreneur, becoming a boss and becoming your own business owner. It's like you have to do the research. You have to take the risks, uh, spend money, uh, scare money, don't make money, as they say. So you have to just do the little things to really stay afloat and keep moving forward in anything that you're doing because you can't be afraid of taking risks. And it's like us in society, I believe we are all are afraid of taking risks and and it's like we hold ourselves back from accomplishing greater things because we're afraid to take that risk in life. And we'll always be holding ourselves back every year that we don't take the risk that we're supposed to take. I, to- I totally agree. It's like, I, I think Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Um, and that and that really resonates with me. It's funny. I used to, when I used to be single and I used to try to talk to girls, I was able to live that, live that motto, you know, faithfully, like, Closed mouths don't get fed. If I don't go talk mm-hmm. to them, I never get to know her, you know? Um, and it's crazy how that's, that same quote, you know, resonates with with business and life in general. Like, you got to take risks. You got to take risks if you want to get rich or, you know, nobody ever never made, made it anywhere playing it safe. So you definitely have to take those risks. Of course, I like to say all of my risks are calculated. Um, but at the same time, like I said, you do your homework, you, 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 can, you can hit a home run. That's facts. That's facts. What made you become a financial literacy coach? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so financial literacy coach, what made me become that? So out of college, um, I went to VCU, graduated in four years, Virginia Commonwealth University. Shout out to the Rams. I'm a major <laughs> in business. Um, pretty much out of college, my first job ever, I had an internship that converted into a full-time job. Um, I was blessed with a 50K job offer right out of college at 21. That was the most money I ever made. So um, I live in D.C. It's a lot of things to do, party night, like things like that. I was traveling, going to U Street, going on dates, doing all types of stuff. And before you know it, by 2016, I was $10,000 in credit card debt. And although it didn't really impact my score, my income and my cash flow wasn't where it needed to be, which has stressed me out. Um, There was a guy at my job who was a consultant from the U.K. He had 30 years of experience in finance. Um, he was an associate, so I went to him, asked him, hey, what should I do? My credit card minimum just went from $200 a month to $700, $800 a month. Um, and what he did, he set me down. He made me write down each one of my credit cards. He made me write down what the balances were and also the APR percentages, which is the interest rates. He made me add up all my debt, all my interest rate. And basically, let's say for easy numbers, out of five credit cards, I had 10% each just for easy numbers, hypotheticals, right? I had mm-hmm. I was paying 50 cents on every dollar that I borrowed out of $10,000 with my credit cards. So he said, you have to do something called buy cheaper money. And I said, how do I do that? And what he pretty much said is you can do a balance transfer or you can do a debt consolidation loan. Um, Long story short, I ended up doing a debt consolidation loan, which compounded at $10,000 over five years. And it went from like a seven to $800 a month payment to a $200 a month payment, which was more attainable and, you know, payable with my salary. So once I did that, that got me out of that hole. My credit score shot up something crazy once I paid down that 10000 
Um, then I realized they had friends around me who were going through the same issues. I gave them the exact same recipe and they were able to get their sales out as well. And um, from that, I, it made me want to publish that book. I realized, you know, we aren't taught these things. We taught everything else, but we aren't taught, you know, how to make money, how to how to leverage money, how to leverage credit, what credit is. Um, and I just kind of dove into the field from that. <laughs> Why do uh, I love all that? I, I want to pack some of that, but, but a question just uh, popped in my head. Like, why do you think we're not taught uh, financial literacy in the household during our childhood? Um, well, the first thing is, I think a lot of our, our parents or our elders um, aren't financially literate. Like, they came up in a different time where, you know, you go to school, you get a good job, and you work for 30, 40 years, and you retire. Um, and I think in today's day and age, we, especially with, with technology, we have so many different ways to make money. Like you can have a multi-million dollar empire just by having an iPhone. Um, and I don't think they had that same, that same, those same opportunities back then. Um, and it's just, and, 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 and I think it just comes down to, you don't know what you don't know. Um, some people had, you know, family who was in real estate, you know, doing the burn method, cash flow on properties, you know, um, and you can kind of see that resonate with some of these people, you know, in our age and demographics who are doing some of these things because they have somebody to teach them. Um, but it all just comes down to financial literacy. And I think the biggest issue is we aren't taught it in school because the system is not meant for us to know it. Because if it was, mm -hmm. it would be in every curriculum. <laughs> that is facts for real, because I believe it should be taught in school, especially it's not it's really taught. Like you said, we were taught to go to school, get good grades, go to college, graduate, find that good job, work that job for 30 to 40 years, and then use that retirement or pension or 401k, and then you'd be set. But it's like, it has to be it has to be something different. That's not what life's all about, where you're working majority of your life at a job that you eventually hate, but you got to pay the bills. So you stay there. So there's like, it's a blessing that we were born in this era to where technology is booming. And like you said, you can have a multi-million dollar company just off your iPhone and Wi-Fi alone. But it's just, it's like, we should, I love what you're doing. Like you're trying to educate more people in the black community, as well as me with the podcast and educating our, our community around us to learn more like, hey, financial literacy, learn about it, invest, uh, save, do your budget, uh, look, look over your credit, check out your credit score, see how you can leverage your credit, see how you can get out your credit debt, see how you can get out that student loan debt and just, really talk about i think financial when it comes to financial literacy is that the fact that it's not taught in the black community and when it comes to finances we're majority i want to say majority of the black community isn't good when it comes to finances so there's an embarrassing topic to talk about that nobody really knows how to touch bases on it yeah and i i think i think we definitely have to start changing our conversations um you know you change your conversation you definitely change your conversation so what I try to do um, at any gathering, especially family gatherings or when I'm intimate gatherings with my friends, you know, we're not always talking about sports or celebrities or women. Like I try to change up the conversations. Um, a lot of my friends see the different things that I'm doing. So that kind of sparks those conversations. Um, and I'm an open book. I'm trying to share as much knowledge that I know. I, I definitely don't know everything. Um, but just, you know, up to this point, what I have learned, I try to just be an open book for anybody who's interested in and wanted to learn. And, and I think that's where it starts. Once you hit that realization point where, okay, I'm tired of living this type of lifestyle, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck, I need some more money, X, Y, and Z, then that's when it'll click when people make those transitions. But um, definitely if it's if it's taught at home or even introduced, you know, in school, one, one thing that I find very funny, I took Spanish from kindergarten all the way to senior year in college, in high school, right? So, so that maybe I literally took Spanish that long, I remember. Um, 
and I, I bear, I'm very basic in Spanish. I can't speak it. I could go to Mexico and have a conversation or decode certain words or read certain things. But imagine if I spent that same time learning about what a stock was or learning about a checking account or credit or, you know, having a curriculum built out like that. It's not meant for everybody to win like that. So um, and I, I think it's something, it's something that needs to be done. I'm working on a, a curriculum to actually launch inside different schools in the DMV area. Um, I want to help, you know, incarcerated individuals show them, you know, when you get out there's ways to you know bounce back and become a, a member of society so um those are the things that we need in our communities especially um people of color and minorities exactly that's that's real because we all need help and i feel like we haven't got the help we should have received we're still trying to get our 40 acres and a mule but it's like we can create our own 40 acres and a mule by just applying ourselves and learning more about the financial literacy, learning more about finances, how money works, how to make money work for you, how to save money and do the little things like that. So you can advance yourself and advance your future because you can always create a stream of income by just anything, anything that you're passionate about, anything that you love, you can really just figure figure out how can I monetize this or how can I make money off of this to where I don't have to spend all my somewhere else I don't want to work. Exactly. Like you, I really firmly believe you can monetize anything, any skill that you have, no matter where you work. I'm not even going to name any places because if somebody got a job, I respect it. But no matter where you work, you should be trying to take some of those skills that you're learning there and see how you can transfer them into, you know, um, a career for you or entrepreneurship for you. Um, like even talking to people, customer service, you know, time management, all these different things are, are skills that are needed when you're running your own business. Um, you know, managing people, managing assets, you know, no matter what you do, don't go to work for the money or for your yearly salary or hourly wage. Go to work for the skills that you can learn. If, if your job's offering certifications, if your job's offering to send you to school, if your job's, you know, offering to help you advance in your career and learn more skills, I would just tell people, take full advantage of that and kind of take a step back, open your eyes and see what you can actually do with all the skills that you have at your job. That's facts. You're basically saying don't work to earn. Yep. Work to learn. Don't work to earn. Yeah. Now you could throw that on the shirt. See? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Hey, just pay me. I'm good. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, so the nickname Dr. Financial, where'd it come from? That's a, that's a great question. So um, actually, pre-pandemic, that's when I was really like launching my financial literacy brand. I was going to networking events, Google events, um, first-time homebuyer events, just anything that little financial literacy that I could find on Eventbrite, I would just go. When I get off work, I would go. I would go to learn and network with like-minded individuals. Um, I actually came across um, two great individuals, a couple. My, my guy, Les, uh, financial guru, Ham Les, he actually has a podcast too. And he has a um, girlfriend named Brittany, Britt, the money coach. And um, what Britt is, she is a life insurance agent uh, with Primerica. And um, I went to one of their events. I really vibe with them. Well, you know, when you go somewhere and you, you finally find people that speak your language or interested yeah. in financial literacy, interested in something that you like. So we just vibe um, genuinely when I saw them talking. I'm like, these are the type of people I, I want to be, you know, in five, 10 years. So. Um, I connected with them. Me and Brick got really cool. I, I did. Well, this is crazy. This happened during the pandemic, too. I had uh, signed up to become a life insurance agent. Um, I did that for a little while. <clears throat> um, I never went and took the test, though, because once I did my due diligence, I realized that really wasn't what I want to do. Um, but spending that time with Brittany, um, sh she understood my vision. And she said, Ron, because she knew I did credit and everything. She's like, Ron, people come to you 
when they need help with their finances. You're like a doctor. And then when she said that, I'm like, yeah, I'm doctor. I think she called me Dr. Financial. She was like, you're Dr. Financial. People, how many people call you when they have people hit me up all the time, anything pertaining to finances? And I'm like, you know what? I like that. It has a nice ring to it. So um, I just threw it on Instagram. It's been that. Um, I'm actually working on trying to, you know, build a brand with it. Um, in terms of you know, having like images and content and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it was catchy. I like I liked it and, it and it sits with me. And um, I don't got a doctor's degree, but I can help you know, <laughs> I can help you, you know, remedy any any issues that you have pertaining to credit, business credit, budgeting, um, and things like that. So that's kind of where it came from. She she gave me that name because hers was like Brit the Money Coach. And I'm like, okay, I need I need a cool nickname. And that's what she gave. <laughs> Yeah, hey, hers her nickname is mine, and I, I like yours too, Doctor Financial. Because, like you said, like she said, people come to you to work on their finances, and you help them out like a doctor. You really help them out, like you said, business credit, any type of credit that they need, any financial um, information that they need, they can just come to you, and you have a whole uh, knowledge uh, waiting to give out to them. So I, I really like the name. That's why I was curious. I'm like, how do you get Doctor Financial? I'm like, you hear all the other doctors, but you never hear like the Doctor Financial or doctor credit repair or something like that where it turns turn pertains to helping people out in a real way so um was being a financial coach always your dream or did as a child did you have a different dream <laughs> as a child i think the first career day i ever had my dad was always a principal my whole life not my principal in my school but he's always been a principal but the yeah. first career day i had i wanted to be an nba scout i think that's what i dressed up as might have had like an N1 sweatshirt, a, a nice watch. And I was like, I'm a scout for career day. Um, and then in college, I was undecided my first two years. Um, I really loved the show Criminal Minds. So I used to want to be a behavior analysis. I'm real big on psychology. That my, that's my shit. Not to cut hey, you off, but you criminal minds is my shit. That was my favorite same show. Way. Um, and then like, I guess once I got to my sophomore year, I think I saw one episode where one of the one of the agents ended up getting hunted down and got smoked by uh <laughs> by one of the unsubs and i said you know what i'm too likable of a person i don't want people and then, then like that's when like you know police brutality i started becoming aware of that i was okay i don't want to be no fbi agent chasing crazy people and i got with a family they break in my house and then also i feel like i'm such a likable person or i like people and you know interacting with people i couldn't be a fed because you know people will mug on you and hate you just for putting on a uniform and i realized you know that's not what i wanted to do so one day um which is really funny one day after I went and met with my advisor, I had to pretty much decide my what my major was. And I got high and just Google psychology and business because that's a lot of the different. Um, I mean, that's all of the credits that I had. And just by, you know, people say you're not supposed to smoke, get high, et cetera. But I was productive with it. And I just found, you know, what is a mix of psychology and business in HR popped up. I know I didn't like people. I mean, not not on like people. I didn't want to like you know be HR uh, paper pushing, but in that moment, my my sophomore year in college, I said I want to learn the psychology of business, mm. and that's where how what I've always been since that day. Damn, I like that. He said I got high and just searched for a major in psychology and business put together, and I came up with that. That's good too, because I feel like as we're growing up through different phases of life, we change, we become different people and we learn more about ourselves, learn what we love to do and learn what we're passionate about and what we do. Like you said, as, as a kid, you want to be an NBA scout. I think that's like everybody's dream to be like involved in sports as they're growing up within the black community. Nobody really dreams like, Oh, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer where some people do, or even a financial coach. Cause financial coach is like, it's, it was really, it's really discussed 
in the black community, especially growing up in a household, you don't know what a financial coach is, never heard of a financial coach. So over the years, uh, God had a calling for you and you received it. Yeah, and, and that's it's, that's crazy. I never, ever thought of it like that. You're right, God had a calling for me. I received it like, like I said, okay, if I can learn the psychology of business, I want to understand how people who have wealth, how they make money. And ever since then, I was just intrigued with it. I started reading books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think and Grow Rich, like a bunch of different type of books. And I would listen to books as well. Um, listen to podcasts, listen to YouTube motivational speakers, and just that that's what I like. That's what I resonate towards. Um, so that's what my passion is, just financial literacy and teaching it to people. But I was gonna also I was gonna recommend um if you I don't know if you have read this book, we talk about psychology and business, but the psychology of money. Have you ever, ever read it? I haven't. I'm gonna add that to my Audible. What's crazy, I just downloaded Blinkist yesterday, and then there's an mm-hmm. app called 12 Minutes. And what it does, because I, I realize on Audible, I, I add a lot of books, and then I don't finish them. I read multiple books. I'm you know jumping to this, jumping to that. But what Blinkist in 12 Minutes does is summarizes the book. Well, Blinkist does it in like 30 minutes or less, and you get all the key points. And I think that's what really matters in the book. Um, but I'm definitely gonna check that out. The Psychology of Money. Yeah, and the thing about uh, I'm gonna check out Blinkist too and 12 Minutes because I'm I'm I love the whole read the summary of the book instead of getting the and getting the key points out of it instead of reading the whole thing. You're like, all right, I barely got five points out of this book. You could have just summed it up in four to five paragraphs. Exactly what you mean. But with the psychology of money, the book is simple short stories about real life, and it's one of my it's one of it's a great book. Um, the first like the first chapter I'm gonna just summarize it. Uh, basically is its first chapter name is no one's crazy and it really discusses it talks about how everybody just grows up in different financial situations in life and it's like everybody has their own we're we're anchored to our own set of views of how money works we we what makes sense to you might not make sense to me and vice versa and it's like it says the person who grew up in poverty in ways the wealthy can't even fathom so it this book is like I think you'll like it. You'll be like, oh, yeah, this shit is hard. I've seen this book before. I just searched it. I think I tried listening to it, and then I didn't get into it, and I deleted it. But um, I remember this cover. I'm definitely going to check it out, though, now that you recommended it. Um, And there's one book that I can say I've read since the pandemic started that really changed my life and, like, put me into a whole nother drive. And I listened to it, and it was the best book I probably ever listened to in my life. It's called Set for Life. Set for Life? Set for Life by Scott Trench. I would recommend it. talks about basically, he literally gives you the blueprint on what to do in life to achieve achieve financial freedom. And it's like legit step by step, even from like saving, how to save up your first $25,000 and then what to do once you get that. And he talks about cash flow and investing and all that stuff. And he makes it very simple and straightforward. It was a great book. Got you. I'm gonna check it out most definitely. I'm a little book recommendation. That's gonna be that was gonna be in the next segment that we was gonna talk about. Uh, but right now, uh, I just want to take a journey back. How was your uh, childhood growing up? Man, my childhood was 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 amazing. It was a blessing. Um, I I grew up in Washington D.C. Um, I have two younger brothers. I'm the oldest. Um, I I lived in a two parent household my entire life. A lot of my friends and peers. Um, that's rare. So that's abnormal. I didn't really understand until I got older how much of a blessing that was. So I always had a father figure and a mother in my life. Um, like I said, my dad's always been a principal pretty much my whole life. So he's made a pretty consistent, you know, um, uh, middle class salary. 
Uh, my mom is real big on, on faith, you know, sends scriptures every morning, sends daily bread every morning, like consistently. Um, I, I have a, I have a, a tight knit, you know, family, my brothers, um, I have good friends around me. Um, I can say my childhood was, was, was a blessing growing up. Like I went to public school, I played basketball from middle school all the way to college. I mean, all the way to high school, um, on teams and stuff like that. I was played different sports. Um, always had good grades, always had a 3.0 or higher. How you going to not have good grades when, you know, your dad's a principal <laughs> home with bad grades. And, and I think I've always been good at learning. So I've always had like a passion for learning. So I didn't look at school. as like, you know, something that was like, uh, oh, school homework. It was just something that was already instilled in me at a young age. Like my mother used to make me come home and read books before I can go outside and play while everybody else in the neighborhood outside playing. And, um, same rules. Yeah, and it's like I'm realizing now how much that really probably affected my life. That you know, if I was like the reason I am who I am today, had a lot to do with my up- upbringing. But um, I, I had I had a good I had a good childhood. Like always was traveling. My parents had like a little um, they still go down there like a campsite in in Virginia. We go down there every holiday, so a nice little getaway from the city. Like um, I, I was blessed, man. I really was blessed. My parents made sacrifices to make sure you know me and my my brothers were were taken care of. Man, shout out to your parents. That's good. Uh, parents always uh, have to make sacrifices when it comes to their children and things, making uh, life better for their children. Like you said, your mom said, "Hey, you can't go outside until that homework get done." Which is like, <laughs> in all, like honestly, that's I think that's in all African American households where they like, "Yo, you ain't going outside until you get this uh, homework done." And that's because parents knew the significance of schooling and being educated and whatnot. So they would like instill it in the kids like, yo, you got to get good grades. You got to do your homework. You got to learn this stuff because some of the stuff, some of our parents, if um, like my mom's from Jamaica, some some of our parents didn't have the access to the education that we were getting at the time as we were growing up. Exactly. It was crazy, bro. It wasn't even always homework. Like I used to have a summer reading list and I used to have to read books before I keep or a certain amount of pages before I could even go outside and play. Like it was even homework when it wasn't no homework. Um <laughs> And I, I definitely got to transfer those same those same habits and, and discipline into, into my my future uh, kids as well. That's true. Um, was mental health ever discussed in your household? Was mental health discussed in my household? Was crazy? Nah. Now that I think about it, I, I guess we were so big on faith and God. That's that's really what I was taught and instilled in me. And my and my household in college, um, I was dealing with some mental health stuff, and you know, just off that upbringing that I had, you know, that 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 uh, relationship I had with God, it was able to get me through all of that. That strong, you know, faith that my mother had that she instilled in me, had us going to church, had us writing scriptures when we got in trouble, like um, can recite any scripture, all of that stuff definitely, you know, plays into a factor mental health because every day this life life is a battle every day. And people really go through stuff. Like I told you, I had a I had a good childhood coming up. I had friends that didn't have the same childhood as me. You know, you got to be mentally tough, you know, to go through that. So mental health is definitely real. Um, I have a nonprofit with four of my friends from college called First Base Inc. Uh, we like to focus on mentorship, community outreach, and professional development for young adolescents. And we always make sure we include mental health in those conversations with those kids because you never know what people are going through. And um, that's something that definitely needs to be discussed, um, especially in the minority communities. Exactly. And that's true. 
like I said, like that's good that, like you say, your mom instilled the faith in you and the Bible verses and everything to always have trust God in your darkest times. Because, like you said, every day life is a battle. You're dealing with different things. Even as a kid, from growing up to being an adult, life is a constant battle when you're dealing with different things in life, especially last year with the pandemic. People, that was the first time people dealt with that, where the whole world was shut down. And some people had to stay in the house the whole time, be alone by themselves and things like that. So, constant battle when it's like you got to always have that faith and do what helps you relieve your mental frustration in a way when it comes to the mental health and really taking care of yourself on a daily um, of stuff that you're doing like I know a lot of people are have the faith have, are uh, religious religious and they keep they have certain bible verses that they recite during the darkest times and those those Bible verses or the prayers help you out and uplift you from that dark or you start seeing the light because you're like, I got this faith and I laid, I meant it and laid it out on God for just holding in to myself. Exactly. Exactly, man. And that's, and that's, and that's what it comes down to. Like, um, can nobody tell me God not real? Can nobody, I don't care who you are. I've had my own personal, you know, relationship and experiences that I know I'm a, I'm, I'm a 10 toes down believer. Um, and I just try to, you know, instill that in my everyday life and, you know, confess to as many people that I can that's going through different stuff because, like, I, I like how you, you know that, you know, it's, it's been a pandemic. And the thing that stuck out to me, you said people were shut down. They couldn't go out. They had to be in the house. But it's people out here who lost loved ones, who lost their mom, their dad, their family, and still had to cope with that. Like, I've spoken on a lot of different panels. Um, one of them was... Um, called coping with COVID and it was a bunch of psychologists and doctors on there and counselors. And one thing that they said was, you know, people are walking around depressed and don't even know they're depressed. And um, I, th I think it's a lot of that still going on. We, we, we haven't hit, reached the tip of the iceberg with this. Um, I actually just got my second shot today and it's like, it's still not like a hundred percent, you know, factual that you're good. So there's a lot of anxiety about, you know, the future. There's a lot of depression about the past. Um, and anxiety about the noun as well. So, um, you know, getting close to God and, you know, establishing that relationship, that's something that can definitely help you, you know, find things to take your mind off those things, working out, eating healthy, working on yourself, um, you know, starting a project, a business, things like that can definitely help you in these times as well. Yeah, that's true. Like you said, eating healthy, working on yourself and doing the little things, um, exercising, getting out in the sun, getting some vitamin D and just really helping yourself out and help you hope like you can't, stay in the house all day is going to just really uh, build up versus you getting out there, getting that sunlight, getting some fresh air and just really taking it in and just being outside with nature and not letting the, anything you're going through mentally affect you or derail you or hold you down. Because like you said, the, with the panel, that was just gr great that they had the coping with COVID. You, um, people lost their jobs. People lost, had a lot of loss that it was hard to deal with. Like they said, People are walking around with depression and they don't know that, that they're depressed. They just probably think they're sad. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's going to be ongoing. Like it's, it's still going, it's not slowing down, but um, like, like you said, we just got to do those. The one thing that, that really helped me when I started to feel like that in the house, I would just get up and go mm -hmm. walk around my whole neighborhood for like 30 minutes. And then I started biking around my neighborhood and I found joy in doing other things. Like the sun, the sun really does affect your mood, your energy, all of that. Like, so I would just recommend, you know, if you're feeling down, do something different, do something good for your body today, do something, you know, different that can help benefit you um, to kind of, you know, take your mind off things like it's crazy what a view and a breeze and some sun can do for real. 
true, true. <laughs> For real. So um we got back onto the topics. Uh what are your what are your key financial principles? Uh I think my only financial principle is OPM. Uh, one of my favorite rappers, uh, the people money, is Dom Kennedy. Um, and he has a brand or a saying model OPM, other people's money. And you know, I used to be rapping this song saying OPM back in college, not even really understanding what OPM is, but like other people's money is really like my 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 financial principle that I live by because um, when I say other people's money. It's not only like, you know, making a sale to you or, you know, adding value to you in exchange for monetary um, gain. It's, it's more so about, you know, leveraging the bank's money. Like you're never supposed to start any business with your own money. Um, whether you got $50,000, $100,000 in the bank or not, the wealthy don't go take their own money. They go use the bank's money. So um, my question again, uh, what is your key financial principle? Yeah, so um, my key financial principle is OPM, other people's money. Um Pretty much growing up, especially in high school, uh, college, early college, Dom Kennedy, that's one of my favorite rappers. And uh, he always talked about OPM. That's one of his brands. You know, I was rapping and not really understanding what it meant. But, you know, OPM, that, that's my key financial principle is just my job is to figure out how do I get other people's money to create passive income or cash flow for me. So um, it's not it's more so like, OK, how can I sell you a product and provide or a service and provide value uh, to you for monetary gain? Um, it's more so about uh, thinking of a different way of how to make money. So when we go to work, it's something called the cash flow quadrant. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it. Um, pretty much the EBSI yeah. model. So uh, for everybody that doesn't know what it is, I will Google it. Pretty much if you draw a cross, it's an E, a B, an S, and an I on each coin, each box. Um, e is employee, B is business owner, S is self-employed, and I is investor. Um, the employer and self-employer lives on the left side of the quadrant. That's pretty much you trading your time for money, you working for your business. Um, on the right side, it's your, it's your business owner. You have people who work for you or systems that work for you. And then investors, you have your money work for you. So uh, when I say OPM, my goal is to get to that right side of the quadrant. How can I leverage other people's money to create income for me? Whether that's the bank's money, that's one of my favorite type of OPM, or whether it's any customers, clients, or consumers. Um, so I would just say, you know, employ your dollars. Um, I think Warren Buffett or somebody else said pretty much if you don't learn how to make money when you're sleeping, you're going to work until the day you die. Me personally, I want to travel. Uh, I want to retire young and travel the world. Um, and I know one way that I can definitely do that for sure is through cash flow, lowering my monthly expenses and overhead and uh, leveraging and utilizing OPM, which is other people's money. I fucking love that. I've been fucking singing Dom K shit, OPM for forever now, because uh, it's always uh, about spending other people's money or figuring out other people's money to work for you and create passive income, different streams of income. Like you said, you want to retire early. I'm the same way. I want to retire early and travel the world versus trying to work uh, years for a company and it's not getting nowhere but towards retirement. So that OPM, that's a, that's a major key. I, I love that principle myself. Thank you. Thank you. Retirement is not an age. It's an amount of money that you need to survive each month until you die. That's what retirement is. And I think they misconstrue it for us. Mm -hmm. My next question would be, are you financially free? Not yet. No, I'm not financially free. Um, I think 
being financially free is you have consistent cash flow income streams coming in. Um, I'm financially comfortable right now. I feel like I want for nothing. Um, I'm a simple guy. I'm not flashy. I'm not, you know, wearing designer and buying sections and all that. You know, I could if I wanted to, but that's never been me. Um, that's not something that interests me. Um, I will be financially free. And and with that being said, like being financially free, I, I have a I have a number. So my number to be 100% financially free is $10 million. If I have, if I generate $10 million, I never have to work again, ever again in my life. My family doesn't have to work again. And I can actually put that money to work to start creating generational wealth and passing that on to the next generation and creating legacy. Um, I feel like I will be financially free when I'm netting or my profit each month is $10,000 a month. Um, Cause then that's when I can travel and do whatever I want. Um, my I have different goals and different milestones. So first I want to hit my first 10K month. Um, and then after that, I also want to um, double whatever my nine to five income is and then double that with my with my side, with my passive income. And once I do that, that's when I know I'm getting closer to that goal. Gosh, gosh, I like the plan. I like how you say you got goals and milestones and you have that set number that you want to retire on. How'd you come to uh, 10 million? Um, so probably listening to a podcast or reading a book or something like that. But I remember, you know, everybody wants to be a millionaire, maybe even Brittany. I think Brittany said that because I got a life insurance policy with her. But um, she she asked me, what's my what's my retirement number? She asked me that. Um, and I think I might have clicked Shaley said a million dollars. So everybody wants to be a millionaire. Who wants to be a millionaire? You know, the show. Right. And we really break down the numbers. A million dollars is nothing but eighty thousand dollars a year over 12 years. So if I gave you a million dollars today and you live a modest salary at eighty thousand dollars a year, you would be broke in 12 years. So um, when you have ten million dollars, you can now throw that money into, you know, money markets and have that money grow um, with investments and things like that. You can go buy, you know, use that capital to go buy real estate, go buy cash flowing assets, go buy franchises that will continue to generate money for you. But if you just get a million dollars, um, I, I don't remember what book I read, but they said or listen to, they said it's more stressful being a millionaire than being in the middle class. And the reason being is because you're literally one decision away from falling back into the middle class. You got to figure out how to make that million grow or you'll be right back down there. So um, that's why 10 million is the number. You shoot for the you shoot for the moon, you land on the stars. Um, and then my my monthly income will be 10K. And what I do is I just find different ways to bring in a thousand dollars extra a month. So an example, um, I have I have well, I just bought a fifth car, but I have four rental cars, right? Mm-hmm. And each of them generate about a thousand dollars revenue a month. Um, and they probably do about eight hundred dollars. Um, no, yeah, about eight hundred to seven hundred dollars a month profit, right? So I can easily get ten thousand dollars a month if I go buy ten to twelve rental cars, right? But those yeah. cars, their life their life expires at some point. So once the cars break down or they hit 100, 200, 300,000 miles, I no longer have those stream of incomes. Um, you can get a vending machine. You got some multiple vending machine businesses. You can get an event space. You can have an Airbnb that's bringing you three, four, five thousand dollars a month. Um, you have a nine to five that's bringing you four thousand dollars a month. And when you have multiple streams coming in and they're consistent, um, I think that's my goal to have something that's consistent. Um, eBay or Amazon or Walmart automation store, just constantly having money coming in and not scale my expenses. And I think I could definitely make it happen. Um, but I need to be consistent. 
And that's what it comes down to, too. Like you said, so you don't scale your expenses. It's like when we get that pay raise, we get that raise. Everybody got the uh, the stimulus and everything. And they want to go splurge and everything. It's like whenever we get surprise money or guest money, we want to up our up our spending and everything instead of staying and living below our means and keeping that money and investing that money into something that will help you out in the long term versus just let blowing it, blowing money fast. It's like you can't BMF your money because when you look back, you won't have that financial literacy to maintain money or you can't have that financial literacy to be Let's say you did have a million dollars, like you said, you're one decision away from going back into the middle class. So it's like having that financial literacy, having that plan and ready in place to like, though, if I had, like you said, your goal is 10 million and you have a plan to get that 10 million. You said all I need is like 10K a month and I'm generating that passive income right now. And where each income is, each thing that I'm doing is generating thousand dollars from that certain uh, cash flow stream. So it's all about having that plan and educating yourself within that field so you don't become, don't chase the millions and end up broke within the next 12 years. That's true. Let me give you a perfect example because as my income is increasing, like I said, I went and bought a house and then I thought, you know, wow, it's going to be rough. But the same amount I'm paying for a house pretty much is what people rent a one bedroom studio in DC for. And I was able to convert my basement into a one bedroom apartment studio. And I, I don't know if I said this already, but I listed it on Monday last week on Labor Day. And it's already booked for 31 days and my October mortgage is paid. So just by leveraging this asset, I just eliminated uh, almost $1,900 a $1, expense. Right. Um, another thing that I recently did, and I did this to bet on myself. I'm not really like this, but I bought a Tesla on Saturday. Um, I bought a Tesla, but it was a business decision. And I'm going to break down the numbers for you just to kind of show people how you can also scale your income. And then, you know, scale the, the luxury in your life, but also, you know, have it for free. So a Tesla that I bought is $40,000, right? Um, it won't get yeah. delivered in February. Since I rent cars on Turo, I know how to research market values for cars. So uh, the same Tesla that I bought, and this is a 2018. These are the data metrics from a 2018. Mine's going to be a 2021 or 2022. Um, a Tesla goes for about $150 to $200 a day in the D.C. market. Mm. My car is rented for 12 days out the month. Turo, based on all their data that they pay out, says that I'm expected to get um, $1,700 on 12 days rented, right? The car note mm -hmm. for Tesla is around five to $600, and it's showing so it to be around $150. So let's say high number $600, I'm at $750 all in. If I rent my car out at 12 days out the month on Turo, I now pay my car note and made that extra $1,000 worth of revenue stream we were just talking about and then i get to ride around in a tesla for free the other 22 or 20 how many ever days that is in a month 18 days in a month yeah so you gotta think of different ways to leverage you know your your credit and your assets or liabilities and to convert them into assets since i have other rental cars when my car is rented i can drive those cars i live five minutes from my job i can bike to work if i wanted to you know so um, we got to learn to stop being so possessive and being so emotionally attached to different things um, and and start thinking strategically on, you know, or what your, do you want to retire? Do you want to keep working? You're going to let somebody else drive your, your, your Tesla because it's fully covered. You're fully insured. If anything happens to it, they'll cut you a check. So those are the type of things I'm trying to get people to think instead of riding around in a Mercedes, riding around in the bins and you, you get a tail light, you got to spend $700. But with a Tesla, it doesn't have an engine. It doesn't have a transmission. 
It has no fluids in it besides what's inside the battery and also um, windshield wiper fluid. You don't pay for gas. So it's like it's really low maintenance. Um, and you just eliminate all those expenses. The average person spends minimum around $5,000 a year on gas. I just saved myself $5,000 a year by buying a Tesla. A Tesla, if you buy it under your business, you can get a ten dollars to $18,000 yeah. tax write-off. So that same $40,000 car just became $22,000. So those are those are some of the things I try to get people to think. So I, it's the, I just bought a Tesla, but I got it for the price of a Nissan or a Toyota. So um, those are just some of the things that we got to start thinking differently as a people to start leveraging our assets, leveraging our credit, leveraging OPM to create the lifestyle that we desire that we see that's glamorized. That's that's true. That's all true too. Like you said, you found out you you've been um, you in the Toro game, so it helped you out figure out how to like you say you checked out the market prices for each car and when you got the tesla you did your research on the tesla and you was like yo i can make money off this i can figure out how to leverage it in my benefit if i rent it out 12 days out the month and i did now somebody pay my car note versus nah i want to this is my car it's a brand new tesla it's a brand new benz mercedes i'm in love with it i'm emotionally attached to it i'm I don't want to let nobody else in it, ride it, because they might do this to it, might do that to it. But it's like, hey, like you said, do you want to be working on your life or do you want to retire early and build them cash flow, cash flowing streams up? Exactly. It's all about what you want at the end of the day. That's true. Facts. Um, what do you think is more important, time or money and why? Time without question. Um, time waits for no man. Um, you can't get back time. You could trick off money. You could lose money. You could get cranked with money. Um, you can always get it back, especially if you're a natural born hustler. You can find a way to go make money. Um, but time is something that, you know, that's one of the biggest things that, that I think resonated with me prior to the pandemic. Um, I, I always thought, you know, I've never thought about death. I always thought, you know, oh, I'm going to be here, la, 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 you know, BSing. And, um, and, Probably in October 2019, I went to the doctor. Doctor said, hey, she found something on my lung. Um, she scared me, had me thinking it was cancer. And I just snapped into this beast. I snapped into like an animal, like, whoa, I'm not going to be here forever. It just woke me up. Um, and it made me realize time is nobody knows their end date. Nobody knows their, when they're going to go. That's one reason I went and got life insurance as well, because you never know when you're going to go. Um, and it, you just got to take advantage of your time. So it just kind of helped me uh start appreciating time more you can always get more money but you can't get more time so um i definitely think time is more important love you you know answer on that question and dang, like you said like I'm, i was like the same way where you like consume like oh i'll be here forever but then you get that reality check like uh you better start planning and getting that life insurance paying yourself and planning out how? Because you, like you said, you can't get time back, but you can get that money back. If you're a hustler, you always get that money back. But that time, you won't get back. The last 10 minutes, 15 minutes that we've been discussing, we won't get that back. But that knowledge will still be there. So it's like utilizing and investing your time the right way versus just having spending all your time like chasing money at the end of the day. Because money is an important time because you can always get money back no matter what you're doing. That's true. And, and one concept I, I say with one of my friends, um, he lives out in Vegas. He lives a, a fun life. Um, he does gambles. He does a lot of different things. And what he always says to me, he said, money's not real. And 
money's important. It's right up there with oxygen. You need it to survive. But when you really start getting money, you realize like money's not real. You don't take it so seriously. Like you learn, you, you got it. You start appreciation, appreciating life and time more, especially when you, when you're getting it, when you're not like, you don't have a scarcity money mindset, but when you believe money can abundantly flow to you and come to you, you, you create things that allow money to flow to you. Money's not that important anymore. In my yes. opinion, where I'm at right now, like I don't, I don't stress about money. I'm not rich or well off anything. I just kind of strategically place my life. Well, like I said, if my mortgage is paid and I don't I haven't paid a car note or insurance in since 2019, you know, most people's highest bills are their rent and their car note. If I eliminate that and you know I cook at home, eat out every now and then. If you got money coming in, you have money to manage, so you're not stressed about money. You're not checking your bank account every day, you know. Um, so those that that I, I think time is way more important. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. I think time is more important as well. What is your biggest accomplishment? Uh, that's a good question. Um, huh. I mean, I think my biggest accomplishment is making my parents proud. Um, I, I guess I'm gonna have a, like a interpersonal one and actual like physical one so just making my parents proud being a um a role model for my younger brothers they both uh pretty much fresh out of college you know just to see um just just to see them starting to ask like man hey man i need some money i'm trying to learn financial literacy i'm trying to you know do this with you let's make this a family business let's make our last name a legacy like those things made me proud because if i was still doing some of the things i was doing prior to this you know i wouldn't be where i was where i am now and i don't think you know I was able to, I would be able to have that impact on them. Um, but my, just making my parents proud, all the things I do, they're always talking to their friends, you know, talking about me. Um, I've been able to help, you know, some of their friends, some of their coworkers create passive income streams for them as well. Um, so that's that, just helping people. Not, it, it hits home with my family, but then just helping people, like helping people start vending machine businesses. I, I got one guy I went to college with, I helped him get his first four machines at two locations a month later. He, he has 25 vending machines now at 10 different locations, like Damn. things like that. Like I put money, I, I, I help put money inside black hands by, you know, telling teaching them that. Right. Um, he has yeah. a rental car business, too. I, 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 he took my course. Now he has, I think, six to eight cars. He has more cars than me. Um, I've helped people start rental car businesses, drop shipping stores, um, credit businesses, like all different types. Those, those have the biggest impact for me. It's really. um. Instead of always passive income, I like passive impact as well. Like, um, you know, making videos on, on Instagram or something like that, giving out free game and people like actually taking it and applying it and going to make things happen. That resonates with me. So I feel accomplished in that sense. And then I guess this year, some, one of my biggest accomplishments was able to buy this house um, by, you know, doing my research, leveraging first time home buyer programs, leveraging OPM and not and being able to buy a, um, like I said, a ha almost half a million dollar house and I only spent $3,700 out of my pocket. And now I potentially eliminated my mortgage for 30 years. So Man. that's, that's the, and I, I didn't have a blueprint. I didn't have anybody show me how to do it. Nobody in my family's an entrepreneur. I try to get my mom and dad on these different things that I'm doing, but you know, older people are stuck in their ways, but, um, that's what I, <laughs> <laughs> I try to tell them like, you got a 40 year old credit card, you know, you can make it a thousand dollars per person you add as an authorized user trade line. I don't want people having my information. Nobody's going to have your information. They don't understand <laughs> it. So my goal is to try to retire them. That's one of my goals now. And once I hit that, I'll be fully accomplished. Um, 
and yeah, yeah, just purchasing this house and and doing all this without a blueprint or no step by step guide, just by putting faith in God and just putting my head down and just going going after it. That's that's what I'm proud of personally. Man, man, I love that detailed answer, and I'm just like a lot of that's really resonating with me. Like you said, making your parents proud. I think that's what it comes down to. The, like you just want to make your parents proud and make sure you're doing something that your parents like will brag to their friends about like you're doing they telling all your friends you're helping um their friends out with their when it comes to when it comes to credit when it comes to financial literacy and that's just always a good thing you have that inner feeling that good feeling like all right i'm doing this is my purpose and i'm doing i'm doing this for a reason i'm helping people out i'm assisting people and in that passive impact it makes me feel good like the money the money's gonna come now now it's all about me focusing on how can i help green dollars get into the black community and that's what you're doing on and consistently, I know personally, I'm going to need your help with when I do my Toro as well as vending machines as well. So I'll be hitting you I up about you. that. And so I appreciate you. Uh, what's a valuable lesson you live by? A valuable lesson that I live by? Yeah. Um, I think it goes back to like treating others the way you want to be treated, doing good by people like Nobody can ever say I snaked them out. Nobody can ever say I did anything malicious to them. Nobody can ever say I tried to cause harm or um, intent harm harm anybody or hurt anybody. Um, and just being an overall, like, you know, genuine human being, like, um, it's a lot of evilness in this world. It's a lot of wicked stuff going on. But um, as long as you do your part, you know, as a human being, uh, you know, make the human race a better and make this world a better place. I think that's something that I stand on just by and it, and it all re resonates to business. Doing good business with people, not you know snaking people, scamming people, like just you know practice what you preach and you know treat people the way that you want to be treated. That's something I stand on. Um, if somebody throw a rock at you and it hurt. I don't mean you always got to throw the rock back. Sometimes you got to be the bigger person, um, and that's kind of like how I live my life. Well, all right, we're gonna jump into our next segment, next conversation. Just uh, I call it Fat Five because uh, you know the Fat Five from Michigan. Um, just five questions and just your, your top five answers. What's your top five movies? Uh, top five movies, speaking of basketball, Coach Carter. Coach Carter is one of my favorite movies. Um, I don't know why I used to always watch it before the basketball season. It got me amped up. So um, Coach Carter is definitely one of my all-time favorite movies. Got you, got you. You have any, uh, any more? Is that just it? Um. That's the only one I could think of. I like watching movies. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but if anybody asks me, I really like 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 uh drug type movies too, like movies like like uh, uh Scarface and stuff like that. I like those, those are interesting. Um, but I really like like um I like Wolf of Wall Street, um, like the big short, like it's 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 a lot of different movies I like, but if I had to name one, it would definitely just be Coach Carter. I just like the different you know, mix of people in there, you know, black and black and brown community, you know, a new new principal school in the hood and they worked themselves up. Um, I think they lost in the championship to Sacrane, but still it was a it was it's just a great movie that resonated with me. Got you, got you. Um my next one, your top five books. Um, this is cliche, but I would just say Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, I mean my bad, not Think and Grow Rich. Uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki um, because that was the first book that I actually spent some time with 
I actually used to be at work on my computer. And in my first year out of college, out of graduating college, I had a full time job. They just kind of gave me a position. I didn't really had that many duties, so I would sit and play uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad on YouTube for free and listen to them my headphones. And I'll be taking notes on a Word document, acting like I was working. And um, that was one of the first things that I was able to kind of get into this love and passion for financial literacy once I listened to that book. And then the next one was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That's crazy. Uh, I I didn't get on like I thinking not thinking grow. I got thinking grow rich right now. I got to start reading that. But rich and poor, rich dad, poor dad. I've had this book. I got it from my economics teacher about I say. I want to say like 13, 14 years ago. And I read it at the time, but it didn't resonate me, resonate with me at that time. But over these years, I've been hearing a lot, a lot, a lot about it. So I just constantly, consistently read that book because I'm like, it has a lot of gems in there. And that's one of the greatest books that uh, I've read. Like you said, that's one of the great books. And it teaches about financial literacy. It teaches about having assets. And it teaches about how you should have your money work for you instead of the other way around. So you, you want to know an interesting story now as you say that uh um, vacation destination yeah. like five places you want to travel to hey hold on I, I i wanted to go back to that book question right you know something very interesting that, that you got me thinking one time probably in high school after church i went to after church you know you go to the fellowship hall and you know talk and chill with your friends and there were a bunch of books on the table and a sign that said free books and i lie to you not the book that i picked up was called rich dad poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki, <laughs> and I took it home, but I never read it. And then after yeah. I laid on four years later, once I was listening to it, and then I found it at home, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. This is the book. Out of all the books, God had me pick up this book. I didn't read it, but it was the first book that kind of put me on this journey. And that's how I feel like the kind of like the same way. Like I've had, like I said, I had this book for like 13, 14 years now. It's it's my economic. It was my econ I think he gave it to me to just like read, and I ended up just taking it and not Reading it reading. that year, but I, it, yeah, I just kept it. So it was like, it's crazy. I'm like, damn. I was like, okay, I like this. So I eventually started reading it, and they, like a lot of stuff in that book resonated with me, and I applied it uh, to my life as well. But um, <laughs> travel destinations. Travel. You, you say you want to retire. Yeah, you, you say you want to retire early. Where was the first? Where's the first place you would go if you're gonna retire? If I had to retire tomorrow, I would probably go to Greece. Um, it's something about being around water. I like water. Like, so Greece, Turks and Caicos, Maldives. I definitely want to go to Africa, go back to the motherland. I don't want to go in the trenches, trenches of Africa, but I want to go, like, you know, develop a city in Africa, probably Kenya or something like that, and just, you know, experience that. Um, I want to go to Tokyo and Japan. Um, I'm real big on islands. I love Jamaica. I've only been out the country twice. I used to be yeah. scared of the country, um, but I, I, I've been in Cancun and Jamaica. I love Jamaica. I'm going back in December, but um, I really want to go places that aren't, you know, everybody goes or you see on Instagram on Explore page. Like this world is huge. I want to go. Like I love when I see somebody on Instagram and I click their location and they like somewhere on some remote island in the country I never heard of. Like I want to do stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I do need to start building on my list, but top three. I want to go to uh, Greece. I want to go to Maldives, and I want to go to Turks and Caicos. I just like, I just like uh, water. Oh yeah, most definitely. I'm like the same way. Those are like Greece is on top of my list as well. Um, top five visit in DC. 
top five places to visit in DC. Um, so I used to love going out. Like I say, I used to love going out, going to happy hour, going to brunch, all of that stuff, especially when I was single. Um, I got tired of all the pending 200 plus transactions and being drunk, waking up, hung over the next days and stuff like that, dating and all that stuff. Um, but if anybody's in DC, I would definitely say you need to go to you need to go to U Street. Go to U Street for brunch or on a Friday, Saturday night. That's definitely an experience. Um, I like going down Georgetown. Georgetown is nice. You can go shopping, you go to the movies, you go on the waterfront. It's a nice place to go walk. Um, Navy Yard. Uh I'm not really like baseball, but a Nats game in the summertime, like a cool summer day, that's a real good experience in the evening. Um Especially when the Nats were good, just it's just a different vibe. Um, the National Mall, it's nothing like just taking a walk on a National Mall or actually getting the scooters and riding around, especially at nighttime. That's a, a dope free date that somebody can do. Um, and then one place I really want to go, I haven't been, and I'm just gonna name it because I know I'm eleven when I go, is the African American uh, History Museum. I haven't gone when it first opened, it was crazy booked, and it's still always crazy booked. You got a reserve ticket same day. Um, but that's something I plan on doing um, this year as well. Most definitely. I'm going to have to check out all those spots when I head out to D.C. For sure. I'm like, you a brunch of the nightlife. And then... well, my last question for this segment. For sure, for sure. What are your top five uh, food spots in D.C.? All right, it's funny you said that. So I had a... Um... Prior to the pandemic, one thing I had, I started a, a marketing company. It was mainly for, it's called DMV's Best, all the dope places to go in DMV. Um, I got the idea. I went to Houston back in 2016 for my friend's birthday. We had no idea what to do. And the bartender was like, go on this website. And it literally had everything to do in DC. I mean, in Houston. So I said, DC needs something like this. So I ended up making a website. I started making affiliate relationships with different bars and restaurants. Then the pandemic hit, shut everything down. I kind of pivoted away from it um top five places to eat um all right for brunch if you want a brunch day party you gotta go to park at 14th that is an experience um great music great food great people great vibes um i like l'oreal plaza i like like mexican food l'oreal plaza they have like frozen drinks um happy hour specials good like mexican food um wow top five places to go place called king street oyster bar they got a nice great happy hour cheap drinks cheap food good vibes um a lot of good places shut down um mm-hmm. there's a lot of different clubs and stuff but like a lot of like the authentic um spots that dc had closed down during the pandemic but there's so much infrastructure and new restaurants and new things being built up every day in dc um there's so many different yeah. restaurants a lot of gentrification happening as well so it's a lot more culture and stuff coming to dc but you definitely got uh, that's the thing. DC doesn't have like a place, like you know how like if you go to Chicago, you go to like Harold's, or you get pizza, or like if you go to Philly, you get a cheesesteak. You go to New Orleans, yeah. you you're like, but you DC Creole food, Creole food. Like DC doesn't have like people say go to like Ben's Ben's Chili Bowl. Like that's a DC staple, but like that's not like somewhere I haven't been there in years. Like um, probably went there on a field trip. So like you definitely gotta go to carry out. You gotta go to a carry out, get mumbo sauce, wings and fries. Um, and then like it's a lot of mom and pop shops that sell good food too, like breakfast spots, stuff like that. Um, and it's like you know chain restaurants. But I hope that answers your question. DC's it has it's nothing to do here but go out to eat. But there's like no, <laughs> for sure, for sure. there's no one place you gotta go. 
Like that's what's weird about DC. For sure, for sure. It's crazy that you brought up how like you had the idea with things to do and like when the Houston thing, I had the same idea. Like instead of of just doing it for DC, figure out how you can do it for every city. Cause that's what I was thinking too. I was like, whenever you travel somewhere, like I'm damn, I wonder what's there to do tonight. Uh and I was like thinking of an app. You said the website, I was thinking of an app where you just pull up the app in the city you're in, like these are the things to do, or like the app's called what to do tonight or some shit like that and it pops up like things to do like oh if you want to go partying go to these re- locations if you want to go to a restaurant go to these locations or if you just want to have a chill night go over here so that is a uh, great idea to uh, work on yeah i was actually trying to work on the process of building the app too and it was i was really like infatuated with it um and then when everything shut down i had like i had like a database of like over th- probably a thousand different places to go like Excel spreadsheet that I upload on a website and all that stuff. I built it over like three, four months prior, like way before the pandemic. And then it all shut down. Places start closing. I said, I can't keep up with all the closes. A lot of the good spots that closed down, black owned spots, places they've been open for years, shut down due to, during the pandemic, clubs, lounges, all that stuff. And I just say, you know what? I'm going to come back to it because uh, what I want to do with that, once I learn how to run ads, I want to go back to some of these same companies and then start running ads for them. Mm-hmm. I feel that we're gonna make it work. I, I feel like we're gonna do a lot of business together and uh, a lot of networking and a lot of a lot of stuff. Because, like I said, I'm gonna use um, uh, I need your help when it comes to the tour. I know you got the courses at uh, higher car as well as the vending machines and a little more than the dropship. But I'd really drop my merch for the podcast, I think, uh, earlier this month. But trying to build uh, sales with that, especially like you said, learning how to do ads, ads, because that's when it comes, that's a big thing. That's how you generate real passive income, doing ads for yourself as well as doing ads for different companies, because everybody needs ad marketing on the team or even digital creation of any of some sorts. Yeah, every business should have ads, no matter what business you're in, you should have some type of ads. Yeah, always running. Um, we on down to the finale. If you had the opportunity to see your future, would you? If I had the opportunity to see my future, would I? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if I can see my, if I can open up a door and see my future right now, I would know what I need to work on now to either change where where, where I'm at or just give me, uh, I guess, reassurance of I'm doing the right things to get to where I'm at. So yeah, I would. Got you, got you. What kind of impact do you want to make on the world? Oh my gosh. Um, that's a great question. I want to leave a, a lasting impact on the world. Um, I don't do this for me. I do it for, for, for people, for helping people. I think um, my parents, just what they instilled in me, like I, growing up, I saw my mom like help so many people. My dad generally helped so many people. Um, and I think that's what my prayer, I ask God all the time, you know, reveal to me my purpose or make sure whatever I'm doing is aligning in my purpose. And I, I firmly believe my purpose in life is to help as many people as I can. And um, I'm thinking God is having me do this with financial literacy. So create an impact. um, So impact as many families as I can pertaining to financial literacy. Got you, got you. I love that answer. And my last and final question, where can my audience find you? Uh, You guys, the the best way to find me is on Instagram. That's my social media of choice. Um, You can find me at uh, W-A-V-Y t-e-c-h-l-l-c that's wavy tech llc on instagram um if you follow me i promise you i'll follow you back you can schedule free consultations to talk to me about pretty much anything that you're interested in 
Um, and yeah, we can connect. I look forward to you know connecting with you all. Um, I believe iron sharpens iron, so we can definitely connect and get to work. Most definitely, man. I want to thank you and appreciate you coming on the show, educating us about your journey, educating us about your experiences when it came to financial literacy and everything that you learned, dropping the knowledge on us when it comes to using Turo, uh, getting the rental cars out there, getting the Airbnb, creating that passive income and creating that generational wealth for yourself, doing the little things of have to learn and really figure out, finding out what is your purpose in life. Don't think working a nine to five all the time is your purpose, even though you, you said like nine to five preneur is good, but it's like have that plan for your exit. So you can retire early versus being there for the next 30 or 40 years. Exactly. Exactly. And I want to thank you again, brother, for, you know, inviting me to your show. Um, I hope I was able to, you know, drop a, drop some gems and, you know, add some value to you and, you, and your purpose and your brand as well. Oh, man, you most definitely did. It's my favorite show to date, honestly. So, <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. I'll be keeping in touch. All right, cool. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and we, we, we can do this again. We can run it back sometime if you want. You know, check in and see, see part two, passive income part two. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. We are going to do a part two. Part two, Mike, uh, we're gonna probably going to get it on Zoom. I bet. I appreciate you, bro. You met. Be safe. Um, you know, stay blessed, man. Thank you.